Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of My Dog Will Eat My Face. In this episode of this podcast series, I wish to discuss a couple things that are hot off the plate that are news in my life. Uh, Unfortunately, they're both pieces of bad news, but I'll try to muster through it as best as I can without causing a mass murder-suicide of my audience. But, uh, no, it's not that bad. Actually, some of it is that bad, but we'll see. Um, anyway, <laughs> the first bit of news is I had a rather extensive discussion with really the head honcho, so to speak, at my hospice company. Uh, she's sort of my nurse's boss's boss and she handles all the prescriptions, she's the prescribing doctor, uh, basically the manager for all the patients there. And about every two months, every 60 days, I meet with her uh, over FaceTime, which is ugh, ungodly annoying. I hate FaceTime. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> so I meet with her, uh, and that's that's annoying enough because I hate FaceTime, but uh, she spoke to me about my condition recently, and in light of the fact over the last weekend, I actually had a pretty bad episode with my health, uh, where I woke up feeling so bad, I called my hospice team and requested a nurse before I even got out of the bed, Uh, that's how bad it was. And I was just gurgling through my lungs. I couldn't breathe. Uh, Extensive shortness of breath. Just swimming in fluid and tons of pain throughout my body. And it was just this massive crash and decline in my physical health. Just overnight, it felt like. And uh, at one point, they had an oxygen person and two nurses loitering over me trying to help out and make things right but needless to say my condition crashed pretty harsh last weekend so she talked about that with me and the summation of that discussion is that they feel that my status quo which is where I've kind of been for quite a while now where I've been relatively stable is pretty much gone where they're seeing my body really crash physically Uh, They've been waiting to see when it's going to happen, and they feel that they've finally seen it happen, and it was last weekend, unfortunately. To where, basically, they really expect my physical health to decline further, uh, much, much further, until it kills me. And it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, It's going to be a lot of shortness of breath, difficulty breathing inability to move, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Uh, In essence, uh, it'll still be a slow death. Uh, It'll be a slow, very painful, miserable, suffocating death of heart failure. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. So that's the news from, from the health front, is that it got substantially worse. And the medical practitioners that oversee my health think it's just going to continue to get worse and worse um, with uh, 
basically just my demise in sight, and that's it. So, that was the first bit of news <laughs> I wanted to share uh, with my listeners. Uh, and there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm not even going to really um, loiter on that topic much at all. Except it brings me to the topic of today's podcast, which is defending yourself. This is a case where I can't really defend myself except fight for my life, take my medications, do what I can to stay alive, and do what I can to try to find meaning and happiness in my life. I think the latter is the most important, uh, but that's just me. And I think that is a component of defending yourself. In that essence, I'm defending my life. I'm defending my happiness. I'm defending my right to live. Uh, Then beyond that, in additional news, uh, with respect to this topic of defending oneself, uh, pretty big news for me. I've been actually terminated from my position at work. Uh, heretofore, for the last two years, I've been on long-term disability, so I've been actually employed, but just on leave, and I was told initially that that would protect me. Well, it turns out that's not so. I was contacted on Monday, told that my position is ending, I'm essentially terminated, because of some obscure rule and policy that I've never heard of. And, uh, you know, I worked in a law department, and I've never heard of this policy. (laughs) I've asked friends of mine still in the company to look around for it, and none of them could find it. So I don't know what policy is they're referring to that is the catalyst of my termination. But that's um, the other big news. So with that, I'm losing all my health insurance. Uh, I'm losing all my other insurance, life, uh, pet insurance, possibly. Actually, I I fought for that. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to keep that, thank God, for my my little booch. Um, But it's pretty harsh. Uh, All my payments come directly from their insurance company. uh, So that doesn't cost them anything. Insurance is a lump sum. It's a group policy, so you can't say I'm costing them any money by staying on their insurance. So it's just really a vindictive, harsh move by my company to harm me, in my opinion. And it's based on a policy that I've not seen, I've not heard of, no one can find, and I frankly don't think even exists. Now, the good news, though, for my listeners with respect to this is is that now that I am officially terminated I can talk about work freely to my heart's content (laughs) that's the other thing how stupid can you get why would you terminate your control over someone and what they could possibly say uh, on a a global podcast Uh, I guess they decided that they don't care and so now Yes, I plan to speak freely uh, about my employment as much as I like. Uh, You know, with that, that's a big caveat. As much as I like, you know, I'm not going to speak badly of people who work there, who 
I had no issues with or something like that. That's just stupid. I'm not going to do that. Uh, amongst many other things I'm not going to talk about just because I just don't want to talk about that. But at least my limitations are my own and uh, not based on what my employer at the time was saying. So with that, I, I kind of want to expand a little bit further on that termination, how I plan to defend myself and other cases in which I've defended myself or poorly defended myself in the past and what that really means to me and how it can reflect the best course of action to take uh, in this difficult time of mine of being terminated while uh, at the same time slowly dying of heart failure. Now, I had a whole rant planned here with respect to my termination. Naming names <clears throat> rather freely, making noise, and more or less declaring war on my unseen enemies. But that's just not my style. Frankly, I hate that. And as I thought more about it, I have to defend myself ethically. You know, I can at any time change my mind, but I'd rather act as if my actions are the maxim of good living. And I more or less plagiarize that from Immanuel Kant, <laughs> of all people. He said, act as if the maxim of your actions were to become through your will a general natural law. So what he's saying there is, Act as if your actions become a natural law, become reality. Act as if what you do really matters to the highest extent. And doing a rant simply is just not that. Now, if anyone of my listeners disagree, I'm cool with that. I'll actually even open up the comments on Archer, so... If you're an archer, you can leave comments there and you can tell me I'm stupid. I'm just making up an excuse to not target my uh, former employer here on the podcast. But to me, it just seems like lashing out just doesn't sound like I'm defending myself. And what I mean by that is I'm not defending myself ethically. I'm certainly not living as if my actions through their existence or my will are becoming ethical living. I think it's far from it. I think it's better, <clears throat> excuse me, than to stoop to the level of my former employer. But I assure you, as appropriate, I'm not afraid to name names and 
tell the stories that matter. And when I say name names, name the names of the folks that have harmed me. You know, wherever appropriate, of course I'll share. The bottom line is I know I did good works at, at my job. I was forced into medical leave by some folks who I sadly worked diligently for and defended in the past. And I was deeply wronged by my former employer. But I am still me. And I see no reward right now by ranting as a belligerent child. But again, I do know they absolutely wronged me. And those individuals who did it are lackluster in character. And they have earned me absolutely no respect and are the worst sort of cowards. Now, I have the option to go to that level to rant and to rave. But I'm not. I am going to defend myself ethically. And what that means is I'm going to maintain my character. I'm not going to burst, so to speak, in anger. I am going to do as Kant recommended act as if the maxim of my actions were to become through my will a general natural law. I don't want ranting like a child to become a general natural law. (laughs) I don't think anyone does. That being said, I will defend myself in terms of my ethics, my character, my personality by not stooping to their level and I will only defend myself ethically and that's how I in general plan to move forward and defend myself in this particular case so one such Uh, situation where I had to defend myself quite vehemently was recent and that was actually with respect to all the mask mandates that were propping up everywhere uh, not that long ago and before anyone rolls their eyes any listeners freak out I'm not touching the politics of it there's nothing to do about about the politics. I don't know how something so mundane could become so political. So all that being said, you know, calm down. Don't roll your eyes at me. I, hey, I can hear you rolling your eyes from here. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. It's uh, nothing like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. In my case. Uh, I actually did have a a legitimate medical exemption. That is, if I put on a mask, I'm just obstructing my oxygen more so. 
I'm just obstructing my air even more than I would be had I, you know, not worn a mask, for lack of a better way to put it. So, um, <clears throat> when all the mandates came out by, you know, store and then state, it was quite a struggle trying to defend myself to say, hey, I should have a right to commerce. Um, this isn't my fault. I can't wear a mask. I have notes saying I can't wear masks. You know, what am I supposed to do? And unfortunately, a lot of the stores would just say, well, TS, we're not going to do anything to help you. Um, so, you know. I, like a lot of people, relied on uh, Amazon <laughs> to, to purchase my items, hurting all those local businesses. Uh, it's sad but true. I, I, I love local businesses. I actually really do. Uh, speaking of, there's a, a street fair that comes up about once a week, every, uh, I think every Sunday or every Saturday on my street right outside my apartment that sells local goods and things from local merchants. Excuse me as my throat goes back and forth um, sounding like I'm sick here but I'm no more sick than usual it's just the uh, fluid in the lungs backing up on me so I apologize if it sounds like I'm a uh, two-bit smoker, hooker, smoking hooker from Vegas, and uh, having a hard time talking, but it is what it is, so bear with me. Anyway, um, so all the mask mandates came out. I got the medical exemption. I even saved a copy of the exemption paper on my phone. Um, a lot of the local businesses just said T.S., go away. We don't want to deal with it. And they truly didn't want to deal with it. They didn't care. I even went so far as to write to the governor. And this is going to actually reveal where I live <laughs> to the global world. I do live in, in the great state of Colorado. <clears throat> and um, our governor, Jared Polis, is, is a man who I've known for many, many years. Actually, I met him in his Princeton days um, when he was in his 20s and I was just in my teens. I think I, I had not even entered college yet. But we met through an online chat forum called IRC. And uh, I've known him ever since. So I figured, hey, I'm going to write to the governor about the state mandate and say this is dumb. What am I supposed to do? There's no mandates. In, or there's no exceptions to this mandate. You know, blah, blah, blah for health reasons. And he did write back and, and more or less said his hands are tied. It's political. <laughs> and that's just how sad this country is. You know, the governor of a state feels his hands are tied because of the politics. So, that was pretty rough, having to defend myself by uh, basically not wearing masks and not going to these shops and these businesses that 
enforced such mandates. And that's what I had to do. Because I didn't want the drama. I didn't want to fight. They have every right. Every business has a right to mandate what you can or must put on to enter their store. You know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Famous line. Um, I respect that. So I, like many Americans, resorted to Amazon. <laughs> Even though I love local stores. There's a... Uh, there's a like a street fair that comes near my uh, apartment building about once a week, every Sunday or every Monday. And it's filled with local merchants and knickknacks and all kinds of weird things you can buy. And, and I love going there. I've been there several times, but you know, that, that was probably the only other venue, I think, um, than Amazon. Um, but at least there, I could I could purchase some local goods until they themselves are to include mask rules per the state rule. Um, although it was kind of loosey goosey, but anyway, um, I'm thankful that nowadays it's kind of loose. It's not nearly as enforced. Um, hopefully, uh, Jared has that. Jared Polis has that voice in the back of his head. Hey, uh, uh, this guy who. I've known for decades doesn't want to suffer from mask mandates. Maybe I should chill out <laughs> on the next one. <laughs> I don't know. I seriously doubt that's come to mind, but I can fantasize. But anyway, in all, in all seriousness, that is a case where I had to defend myself. Not politically. I don't care about the politics. Again, don't get all in a tizzy because of the politics. I don't care about that. That's not the point of this podcast. My point is, is that I had an absolute medical exemption and it was difficult to try to to defend myself and defend what I was doing and what I had to do as all those mandates came out. And, you know, maybe it's a bad example because in most cases I lost (laughs) I, I couldn't defend myself. Uh, and most times people said, tough. Um, and that was it. So maybe it's a bad example, but nonetheless, it is an example. Uh, and I, I'll now move on from masks for fear of the festering political pool that I tipped my toe in. <laughs> and, and move on to another probably more um, silly topic (laughs) Uh, wherein with which I did also defend myself at another time. So another funny example of my defense towards myself is defending my air conditioning. (laughs) This is going to sound crazy, but if anyone knows me, they know that I cannot stand the freaking heat whatsoever. I'm one of those guys. I keep my apartment at a very cozy 66 to 67 degrees, sometimes 65. And to me, 
that's room temperature. That's normal. I can walk around my place in my underwear like that just fine. I have friends though that come over and literally shake and and uh, and tremble out of a coldness just from being in my apartment. I I call them wimps. I call them weird. Um, but it happens pretty consistently when people come over. They shake out of cold, um, the cold temperature, because I, I keep things kind of chilly in my apartment. Oh, and, and God help me if I try to sleep in any sort of heat. If, there, if it's like above, oh, I don't know, 66 or, or humid at all, oh, I can't sleep whatsoever, so... Anyway, that being said, my air conditioning is very important to me. It's like my second child. Wait, I mean I have a first child. Who would be my first child? Oh, that's right. My first child would be my first child. Never mind. Anyway, uh, no. Yeah, so air conditioning means a lot to me. Um, I went through a period this last summer, very recently, where it just was not working. It was freezing up on me it was a total mess the maintenance guy came over and frankly all he did is he basically looked at it and said wow that sucks and left saying basically you gotta let it defrost um just wait for it to get better essentially and I knew for a fact they had like this little blast heater thing that could get rid of the heat I know they had it um, not get rid of the heat. What am I saying? Get rid of the ice. And I know they have it because I'd seen them use it before. And so I asked, oh, well, wait a minute. Don't you have this little uh, blast furnace thing that you can use to get rid of the ice very quickly? And his answer was like, oh, yeah, but Terry or someone, I don't know who has it. I'm like, I don't care, that's your problem. Get it from Terry. I can't sit here in this heat, in summertime heat with my AC off. He's like, oh, well, it's not going to be off for in a couple of days. It'll defrost and you'll get your heat back. And then he left. That's all I had to say about it. I'm sorry, not get, get your heat back, get your AC back. I'm all over the place today. Anyway, to me, that was not an answer. <laughs> so... Um, little me hooked up to my oxygen said this is ridiculous I attached myself to my emergency tank and rolled my happy little butt down to the leasing office attached to this tank and I just put on a show Just I was just ranting and raving saying this is ridiculous the maintenance guy is not doing his job i can't live in there with the ac off do you know how hot it gets in there in the summer i'm on the top floor blah 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 you know <laughs> i could just picture it here's this little guy hooked up to oxygen <laughs> with this oxygen tank rolling around with him just Yelling like he is Mussolini on the balcony. 
and given up a total storm over his AC unit. Uh, I wish I had it on tape. I would put it on YouTube. Oh, God, I wish... I don't know. Maybe somebody did film it really quick and just hasn't told me. Um, but, God, if, if they did, I, I would love to have that video because I bet it's hilarious. So I was given up a total storm. Finally, it gets all the way around between two buildings that the the, the uh, office management company owns. And eventually the maintenance guy comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, well, we don't have the thing you're looking for. But we do have this window AC unit. That's the bomb. We'll stick it in your window. You put in the temp. And I swear to you, at least your bedroom will be that temperature when you go to bed. So I'm like, swell. Now, he hooks it up in my bedroom. In the meantime, what me and my father did, my father was staying with me at the time, is we realized what could be causing part of the icing issue were these large oxygen concentrators that I'm on. Obviously, I've told you before about them. Uh, we actually kept them in the hallway, not too far from the furnace. And we wondered if that was causing the ice up because it was struggling against the heat produced by these uh, uh, concentrators because they, they produce a ton of heat, actually. And so what we did is we moved them across, basically across the building, all the way to the other side um, of everything, as far away from the AC unit as you could get, basically. Um and within, I don't know, a day, it defrosted and everything was fine. Now, I did not call the leasing office and tell them that it's fixed now. We solved the problem, user error. Instead, I kept the uh, window AC unit, which I, I do love. <laughs> because it's awesome. It keeps my bedroom at this super, super cold temp. So if I have visitors, like my father or anyone else who's out there shaking and shivering in their little booties and complaining about how cold it is, no matter what, my bedroom will stay ice cold. So at the very least, I can sleep that night. Um, so I never told them. So what came out of my ranting and rave and, and, and defending myself and my right to air conditioning was, well... I guess a working air conditioner because we solved it and this awesome window AC unit they've never asked back <laughs> they've never asked me to return it <laughs> so I'm still in possession of this awesome AC unit and the AC is working and needless to say defending myself and ranting and raving really worked out for me that day and I think what really helped was just the scene of this disabled little guy <laughs> hooked up to oxygen tanks ranting and raving about his oxygen or not his oxygen gosh i am just high today about his uh, ac unit in his apartment <laughs> and so i think just that image alone got got me the ac unit and uh, earned their kindness so to speak um and uh, that's an example right there 
defending yourself to the man, <laughs> to the one in control of the air conditioning, uh, that you can fight for your right to a comfortable 65 degrees. And if you do fight for it, you will get it. <laughs> That's the moral of that story. So, all in all, my biggest offense is to be myself. Despite how simple that sounds, I think that's going to be the hardest with what I face. With the medical issues and with my termination from the workplace. I must find love and enjoyment as my condition worsens, which is going to be harder and harder with each passing day. I still need to find joy and be grateful for things I can and do have. And most of all, I need to maintain my integrity to myself and to others. While fighting back, I've got to be ethical, sound in manner, and resilient and rest assured my dear listeners I do plan to fight back with my termination but I have to defend my character first and only with a sound character can I fully fight back again act as if the maxim of your action were to become through your will, a general natural law. I love that quote from Kant. <laughs> the rest of, of Kant is just P.U. But I do like that one quote, even though it comes from Kant. Hey, a broken clock can be right twice a day, right? And I, I love his word choice here, too. Kant chooses will. He's talking about your will. He's not talking about your triumph or your success. And that's really key to me. So, this actually leads me to a memory I have of a different quote, a different philosopher. I bet you didn't think this is going to turn into a philosophy class, huh? <laughs> but a different philosopher, um, and a different quote that I that I I've actually remembered for golly decades since I was a little kid. I tell this to myself, and it's. You seek your enemy. You should wage your war. A war for your opinion. And if your opinion is defeated, your honesty should still cry triumph over that. Now, before I say who said that, I'm sure some listeners know who, but 
before I reveal who the speaker is in that case. I apply that to Kant's previous quote about the will, where he's saying your will has to defeat your enemy. Not your success, not your triumph, not your day in court, not your victory, whatever you want to throw in there. He's saying just your will, your will to hold to the maxim that through your daily actions, you are creating some sort of natural law. So if you want a natural law to say be a good person, to be resilient, to have courage, to have honesty, all these things we value in a character, you have to will for those things. Not necessarily succeed at them, because you will fail. You will you will fail in your battles and your struggles. But you have to maintain your will for those characteristics. And this ties back to my last quote. Of course, here, the philosopher is discussing a war for your opinion, but you could throw in anything there, I think. In this case, let's throw in a war for my for my my job or or war for retribution for unrighteous termination of my job. Let's throw that in there. And according to this philosopher, he's saying that you should wage your war and if it fails, if it's defeated, your honesty, he specifically calls out to honesty, should still cry triumph over that. In both cases, these philosophers tie in to your will and you of maintaining good character that are of most importance above all else, even above your victory in your battle, even in your success and your struggle. Your character is the most important thing. And to me, that's where defense of myself really crystallizes. That I'm facing battles that are in many ways unsurmounting. I mean, let's face it, the first battle of my health decline. If I battle that to maintain life and maintain good health, well, sorry, Sonny, that battle's just going to fail. But if I look at it correctly and through this lens that the battle is in myself to maintain good character in the face of this adversity. 
that battle is one that I can yet win. So too, my battle with respect to my job, that's a battle of character that I can yet win. And I intend to in both cases. And that's where my defense is key. The defense of my character. The defense of my will to fight for what is right and to maintain who I am and to maintain my character. And now I'll share that second philosopher. <laughs> Believe it or not, Friedrich Nietzsche. You know, when I was a little kid, my older brother had this book called A Nietzsche Reader. And I think I was around, oof, 10 years old. And I totally nicked this book from him. <laughs> A Nietzsche book. And it was one of his college books. And so I, I, I totally took it from him. So I don't know if he failed the class or what. He lost his book. <laughs> There's a stupid little brother took his philosophy book. Ugh. When has that ever been a problem? <laughs> so I totally stole the book. And I read through it. And I, I copied down all the quotes that I loved and all the things that I liked. Of course, there's tons of Nietzsche to dislike. But, you know, I, I just dived into it and wrote down all the things that were paramount to me and I felt applied to my life and that I felt could help me in my life. So that's where I got this quote, and that's why I've had it with me for decades, probably since I was 10 years old when I stole my brother's book. And hey, he's a listener, so bro, if you're listening, sorry, man, I stole your Nietzsche reader. I remember you even wondering where your Nietzsche reader went, and I sat there quietly. And I apologize. I totally nicked your Nietzsche reader, and I'm sorry. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. And I really want to uh, remind all you listeners to follow this podcast wherever you're following it from, and to make sure you activate updates and, and notifications so that you're notified of new podcasts when they come out. And also, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and, and you really like it, let's say you're a big fan, I encourage you to go to patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. I'm shocked that domain was not taken. But yes, you can go to Patreon slash my dog will eat my face and you can support the show by dropping a little money in the tip bucket we'll say and i'm only asking because with the drop of my insurance even if i apply for and even if i'm covered under under some medicare i'm certain my medical bills are going to go way up because of these changes because I, I had i did have cadillac insurance no matter how this shakes out, 
I'm not going to have that anymore. So I gotta pre be prepared to pay for these excessive bills. So, again, if you like the show, drop a shekel if you feel for it. It's patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. Easy enough to remember. And so I'm asking you if you if you like it, if you support it, feel free to go that way. But you know what? Above all, thanks for listening. That's absolutely what matters most to me. If you don't go, if you don't drop a shekel, I don't really care. There's still going to be podcasts being made. You're still a welcome listener. And I am really glad that you're here to listen to my incessant ranting about my life. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, for now, danke and auf Wiedersehen.